Hey, this is Brandon Emma Richardson, and we are the pastors here at Slate Church based in Waterloo, Ontario, and this is our Sunday podcast. We really hope this message inspires you to lean into all that God has for you. If you would like to get connected with us, follow us on social media or go to slatechurch.com. And hey, it helps us a lot if you would rate, review, subscribe, and share this podcast. Join us for today's message. Wow, no pressure. I don't know that I've ever been introduced like that before. Thank you, Emma. Um, Wow, it's pretty surreal. Uh, Some of you maybe are here for the very first time at Slate, and welcome. You're probably like, who is this guy? I didn't come to hear him. Um, Sorry about that. Um, I do want to say and just honor your pastors, Pastor Brandon and Emma. I was sitting there standing in worship this morning and just couldn't help but get a little bit emotional as I looked around. Um, I had my pastor years ago told me, you know, the most rewarding moments in ministry are not when you see fruit, but it's when your fruit begins to grow on other people's trees, that's pretty rewarding. And so this morning, this is a pretty surreal moment for me standing here on this stage. I'm humbled. I'm honored to be here today with you. But to see this young couple, and Brandon came in, probably a 14-year-old kid coming into youth ministry, and we met Emma not too long after. And I got to tell you, they were the exception, because I was Mr. Anti-Dating Youth Pastor. And these guys did not listen. And we tell students, we tell, we have teenagers of our own now, my wife and I, and uh, we tell them all the time, you know, it's probably not a good idea. Although there is one couple who did make it, and so it is possible, but they were the exception, not the norm. And because I believe there's something special on their lives. And uh, Brandon and Emma, I just honor you guys today. This is such a surreal moment, like I said, just to stand here on this platform to know that you guys are reaching people in Waterloo, Kitchener, Cambridge, greater area of Ontario. And I believe God is actually about to do something even greater through this ministry here at Slate. I do believe, as I was praying into this morning, and and I want to say this at each of the gatherings today, that... Uh, This has been such a landing zone for people. Slate Church has been home. You say, welcome home. Uh, I think that's so key. It's been such an incredible landing zone. But I believe you're about to step into a new season. This church is stepping into a new season of not just being a landing zone, but a launching pad. And you're going to begin to launch people out of here into ministry globally around the world that will point back to this place as their house where they were mentored, where they were discipled, where they came in as a 14, 15-year-old kid, and now there's fruit growing on their tree. And so I just share that with you. I think that's pretty special, pretty cool, and so I just encourage you to pray into that as well. I don't have a whole lot of time. This is, this is going to be really, really tough for me, so I, I better just start. I'll, I'll say more maybe tonight in this evening's session, but if you have your Bible... If you uh, brought a Bible, if you have a Bible, maybe it's on your phone, device, iPad, whatever. It's also going to be on the screen. Incredible team here. I just feel so blessed already. David made me a pour-over coffee. Like, where am I today? Candace had this incredible gift basket in my hotel room. I'm just feeling, I'm texting home going, guys, you're not going to, this is the best gift basket I've ever received anywhere. And I've traveled a fair bit. And so that is saying something, unlike the football fans we have in the room of your pastors, but um, Mark chapter 5, let's go there if we could real quick, I just want to unpack a couple thoughts for us this morning, I believe uh, that God specifically wants me to say and unpack this word today for somebody in the house, so 
Mark chapter 5, verses 21. We're going to read a few verses, so bear with me. And uh, if you don't have a Bible, you can just follow along on the screen. There it is, already there. Verse 21 says this, When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue rulers named Jairus came there. Seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet and pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter's dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. Anyone resonate with that? When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I'm going to be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized the power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding around you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. While Jesus was still speaking, some men came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Ignoring what they said, Jesus told the synagogue ruler, don't be afraid, just believe. Don't be afraid, just believe. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word this morning. I'm so thankful, God, that, that your word promises that anytime it goes out, it will not return void. God, I believe that your word always deserves a response. It may not always be the same response, but God, it deserves a response. And so I'm praying through your word, not my words, but your words this morning, a response would take place in each and every heart, in my own heart, God. Do it in me. Start it in me first, God. Father, I pray you'd bless this house, bless the leadership, the board, the staff, this team. God, bless my pastor, wherever he is, whatever he's doing right now. I pray you'd bless him, bless his family today. Just believe we reap what we sow. In Jesus' name. Everybody said. Amen. Amen. There it is, way back up in the back corner. Do we have any runners in the room? Anyone like to run? Jogging, running, exercise, anything? Anyone like to sit on the couch and watch? (laughs) No. We have any runners in? My wife and I, we've been married 20 plus years now. 20, I think we're coming up to 22 uh, and she regretfully could not be with, uh, with me this morning and sends her, uh, her blessings and, uh, and just her, her prayers to this church and would, would have loved to have been here, but she's got family stuff going on at home and uh, we're just navigating that with her senior parents and nursing homes and all that. But um, we started running when we were early married and realized early on that running is not good for our marriage. It just wasn't. You see, what would happen was we'd get out there running, and I, as a gentleman, the gentleman that I am, would allow her to set the pace. And so very quickly we learned, though, at her pace, it's not really stretching and exercising my cardiovascular system as much as it needed to be stretched and exercised. And so what would happen is we'd be running along, and I'd be goofing off. I'd be, like, running backwards, and she's running there, like, focusing on her breathing, all serious. And she'd get very frustrated with me because I'd want to talk to her as we're jogging because, to me, it's just a light jog. We're just jogging along there. And so she'd get very frustrated. We'd get home. We'd have a passionate discussion, and... and uh, 
And we just decided it wasn't good for our marriage, and so we stopped running. And now we go for walks. And so what will happen is we'll be cleaning up from supper and tidying up. I'll be doing the dishes, and I'll just say after, hey, let's go take the dog for a walk. And so she's like, okay. And so we get out there, and without fail, every time, about two to 300 meters into our walk, I turn to her and kind of sarcastically, but I'll say, hey, are we late for something? Because we're clipping along at a pace like it's almost a slow, we might as well be running again. And I'm just like, you see, we have two completely different purposes in mind. My purpose is like, hey, we're out here for a nice walk, and I stroll. Let's enjoy the evening, get some fresh air. It's been a busy day. I just want to unwind. And she's like, no, let's burn off all the calories we just consumed from supper. And so we're clipping along, you know, fast walking there. And I'm like, what are we doing right now? And what I've realized is this simple truth that I want to unpack this morning, and it's this. Your purpose determines the pace. Your purpose determines the pace. The pace is always set by the purpose. So we had two different purposes in our walk. We had two different purposes in our jog. But it's the purpose that actually determines the pace. I want to talk to you for the next few moments from the title, The Pace of Grace. The Pace of Grace. See, there is a pace that God has graced over each and every one of our lives. And I believe many of us today in society, and you look at the world around you, and many of us are living at just an unsustainable pace. We're just, we're just, we're just in a hurry all the time. Scientists, researchers, psychologists are calling it an epidemic. They're calling it hurry sickness. I mean, we have books written about it. The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, John Mark Comer. The Time Cure. We've got all sorts written about it, but we are in a hurry. And when we're in a hurry, you know what? We are, we are disengaged. We are disconnected. We're burnt out. We're exhausted. John Mark Comer, in his book, calls calls hurry a violence on our soul, a violence to our soul. Another thing hurry does is it kills intimacy. You're talking about these Holy Spirit nights coming up this week, which I think is phenomenal, awesome. They're going to be great nights, and you need to come. Maybe you're just checking out Slate Church today. You should come. It's going to be incredible. And the whole heart, Brandon was telling me about it earlier, the whole heart of it is to, is to be spirit-filled and live and be spirit-led people. You know what? If you're going to be spirit-led... You can't be in a hurry because it's going to kill the intimacy you're craving with Holy Spirit. He's a person. He wants to know you. He wants to talk to you. He's got moments set out every single day for you. But when we're in a hurry, we can't catch them. It's why I believe when COVID first started, we all remember a few years ago. I know I hesitate to even say that word. It's a curse word. But COVID happened and what we all welcomed it. It was amazing at first, right? Because what did it force us to do? It forced us to slow down. There's no extracurricular activities. You can't go out. You can't do anything. And okay, after two weeks, we were done with it in a hurry. But for the first couple weeks, it was like we felt like we could breathe again. It's like a moment, an opportunity to come up for air. And now as we come out of the pandemic, we come out of it and, and anxiety and depression is on the rise. Why? I believe partly it's because many of us are terrified to go back. Because we know that pace we were operating at is not sustainable. And so the reason we're, we're burned out, we're exhausted, we're depressed, we're anxious is because I don't want to go back again. I'm terrified to go back because that is not sustainable. 
Well, I'm here to present to you a question this morning, and the question is this. What if you don't have to? What if we don't have to go back? What if there is a pace of grace? What if there is a pace that's directly aligned to your purpose? And Jesus, if you don't believe me, Jesus actually shows us in this passage, a familiar passage maybe to some of you who grew up in the church, but for others, maybe this is the first time you're hearing this passage this morning. But Jesus sets the example here, and he shows us. Check this out. Jesus, the Son of God, sent to earth, fulfills his entire purpose over his life. Everything the Father sent him to do is accomplished in three years. That's just wild to me. Three years. And yet you don't ever, in Scripture, do we ever find Jesus running or late? Now, that, I could just do a mic drop right there, walk off this platform. We could have a response time, call the worship team up. We're, like, that's all that needs to be said. He was never running. He was never in a hurry. He was never late for anything. And right here in this passage, he, he shows us. He gives us an example. And because his purpose set the pace over his life, it allowed Jesus to be fiercely present everywhere he went. I love that terminology, fiercely present. I don't know about you, but I want to be fiercely present everywhere I go. I want to be fiercely present here in this time and space here today. I want to be fiercely present tomorrow on my way to work. I want to be fiercely present in the grocery store. I want to be fiercely present whether I'm talking to a crowd of people or I'm one-on-one with you in the lobby. I want to be fiercely present. And the only way we're able to do that and be all there, my wife and I, we we have this saying in our home, I think we stole it from Andy Stanley, wherever we are, we want to be all there. I want to be all there. And Jesus shows us that this is actually possible. And some of you are thinking, yeah, but we're not Jesus. Well, you're right, we're not. I'm not Jesus, you're not Jesus. Thank God, because we'd probably mess it up. We would, for sure we would. But I believe as his followers that we're called to follow him and do life like him and fashion our lives after the Son of God, the Savior, our Lord, our King. And so I believe when we're going at our pace of grace, when we're actually operating at a pace that's determined by our purpose, directly aligned to the purpose that God has purposed over our lives, that we can actually be fiercely present as well. And Jesus gives us an example. Three quick things I want to share from this passage that Jesus was present to, fiercely present to. The first was himself. He says in the passage, who touched my clothes? Why is he asking that? Because this was different. Something, Jesus knew himself well enough to know that something just left him. Do you know yourself well enough to know when you're getting depleted? To know when something's left you and now you need to fill. You see, life is not about balance. I've learned it's about healthy rhythms. And if I'm going to be depleted over here, i got a lot of speaking stuff coming up this month, next month. I know at the end of this, we're taking a trip somewhere south where I'm just going to relax and not think about any of it. Why? Because I know I'm going to be depleted over here. And so I better get filled up over here. It's about healthy rhythms. I remember we were on vacation a, a few years back and I was with my family. We have three kids. And uh, we were coming out of a shopping mall, and we had nowhere to be. 
And I, I found myself walking 20 feet ahead of the rest of my family and turning around and watching them goofing off. And my wife is being fiercely present with all three of our kids. And they're laughing and they're carrying on in the parking lot. And I'm on my way to the car. And I remember turning around, frustrated, looking at them and saying, Come on, guys. Hurry up. What's their problem? And it wasn't until I got alone with my own thoughts fiercely present to myself that night as I laid in bed just reflecting on the day and the Holy Spirit whispered as I'm reflecting on that moment. He brought back that moment in time and I got a picture of it, of myself way out in front of my family. Nowhere to be. We're not late for anything. No agenda. No schedule. We're on vacation. Holy Spirit just whispered, what's the hurry? Where are you going? And from that point in time, I decided I need to make some changes so I could be fiercely present to myself, fiercely present to the people around me. So I've incorporated a few practical things. You may want to write these down. You may want to put them into your life, just practical tools to help you be fiercely present. The first is this. Every week I do an interior check-in where I'm journaling. I'm writing things down, and I'm asking myself five questions once a week and journaling my response. Here's the deal about writing down and why writing it down is so important. I've learned through research and scientists and and neurosurgeons are discovering that when you write something down, you actually tap into a completely different part of your brain than if you were to verbalize it. I'm talking to you here today. You could ask me one of these questions. I might give you a response. But when I sit to write it down, to journal it, I'm actually, more stuff is coming out than what I might share with you, a different part of my brain. And research is telling us that actually there are benefits, health benefits. Just doing that four days in a row, 20 minutes a day, there's health benefits, building your immune system that lasts for up to six months. Just crazy. This stuff fascinates me. It's almost like God knew when he wrote in his word, You'll be renewed, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And and so I've been doing this. Five questions. Here they are. What are you mad about? What are you sad about? What are you anxious about? What are you ashamed about? And what are you glad about? What are you excited? What's coming up? Those five questions, once a week, I sit down. Why? Because it, it allows me to understand what I've been carrying without even realizing it. I want to be fiercely present to myself. What am I carrying around? Because that's going to come out. I'll just tell you, church, that will come out at some point unless you get it out first and realize what's going on. So that I'm also doing these exterior check-ins, these random moments where I've learned the most powerful question you could ask in your attempts to become more self-aware is this. What's it like to be my fill-in-the-blank? What's it like to be my wife? What's it like to be my child? What's it like to be my parent? What's it like to be my sibling? What's it like to be my boss? What's it like to be my staff member? What's it like to be on the other side of you? Have you ever asked anyone that question? I started asking. I started with my kids. I started asking my kids one-on-one, each of them, individually. One of my kids said this. They said, Dad, oh, it's great. You're such an awesome dad. You're so intentional, so thoughtful. It's, it's amazing. I said, no, 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 no. I said, Thank you, but that actually doesn't help your dad. That doesn't help me become better. I said, you're actually hindering my growth and development unless you tell me the truth. And so here's, and here's what you need to do. If you're going to ask this question, you've got to promise yourself and promise the other person. You're going you're to refuse to do two things, and that's get defensive or make excuses. Or you will never get the truth again. If you're only going to defend... If you're only going to make excuses, you will never get the truth from that person again. And so I said to this child, I said, no, no, no. 
Here's what, I'm, here's what I promise you I won't do. I'm not going to get defensive. I'm not going to make excuses, whatever you say. You're allowed to say whatever you want. It's not, it might hurt. It might sting, but that's okay because growth and comfort cannot coexist. That's a different message. We won't go there today. We don't have time. And so this child said, okay, Dad, well, if we're being honest, then I got to tell you, there is when you do this, it makes me feel like this. And, and this child of mine was able to be completely transparent and honest, and we had this moment. But I got to tell you, my knee-jerk reaction in that moment was to want to defend myself and make an excuse for how I know why I do that. But I refused, and I just listened, and I said, thank you. And I'm so sorry that I do that. You're right. I do, I do fall into that. I do tend to do that. That is my tendency. And so here's what I'd like you to do. The next time you're noticing, because I'm going to try and be better, but I won't always get it right. And I'm going to slip back into that for sure. I will. I just know I will. And so I need your help. The next time you're noticing me doing that, can you just do this gently, softly, in a loving way? Can you just tell me and say, Dad, you're doing it again. I said, that will actually help me. Interior check-in, exterior check-in. And the third thing, this is how Jesus was so present to himself because he was always found slipping away in silence and solitude. You want to really know yourself? Be alone with your thoughts. You can really tell how comfortable you are in someone's presence by how much time you can spend with them silent. You know, if you just get to know someone, you, you can't have that silence, right? And so we, we avoid the awkward silence. So we'll continually ask questions, everything else. But once you get to know, my wife and I, we could drive for a half hour and not say a word. Why? Because we're comfortable in one another's presence. That doesn't always happen, but we're okay with it because we know each other. I want that with the Father. I want to be comfortable in his presence. We're, and so one day a week I'm taking in my devotional time where I'm not saying a word. I'm not asking for anything. I'm not sitting there just with the intention of listening for something. I'm just in his presence. Jesus was fiercely present to himself. Is your pace aligned to your purpose in such a way that allows you to be fiercely present to you? To know who you are? To be self-aware? The second thing was he was fiercely present to those around him. The, the best part of this passage to me is that Jesus, I mean, if there was ever an emergency church, this was it. He's on his way to heal this dying daughter, of Jairus, the synagogue ruler. And Jesus says, okay, let's go, let's roll. And he's on his way. I mean, if there was ever a time to pick up the pace, it's now. Like, we got to get rolling. I, I can't be distracted by anyone else around me. We're on our way. This girl's dying. Let's get there. But he's not. He's still going at a pace that allows a sick, feeble woman of 12 years. I can just imagine she's got no strength left. She's tried everything, and yet she's going at a pace that, that allows her to reach out and touch the hem of his garment. And Jesus, what does he do? He doesn't say, oh, let's keep rolling. We don't have time for this. He says, he turns and he looks her right eyeball to eyeball, fiercely present to her. You know when somebody's fiercely present, they're looking you straight in the, like you have their attention. She's got his attention. What does he do? He speaks to her. He speaks to her issue. Does your pace allow you to be fiercely present to those around you? Or are you constantly distracted, distracted by these things in our pockets all the time? We get a little notification, a little buzz, and what do we do? Mid-conversation, we pull it out. We got to look. They rule our lives at times. They're not a bad thing, but when they rule us, they can be a bad thing. We're no longer fiercely present to those around us. I want to live in such a way, I want to go at a pace that allows me to fiercely present to those in need. Because guess what, church? There are people in need all around you every single day. 
Are you attentive? Are you going at your pace that allows you to be attentive to them? I was on my way to the office the other day. We live in Peterborough right now, and my office where I work out of is, is uh, down in Coburg. And so it's about a 50-minute drive. I'm in about two to three times a week, and then I'm on the road the rest of the week, traveling around, and meeting with pastors and leaders and pouring into them. And, and I was on my way trying to go up my pace, and I noticed out of the corner of my eye, there's this guy standing as I'm entering the highway. He's standing on the side of the road with a cardboard sign that said Coburg. And I'm like, that's where I'm going. A hitchhiker, pick him up. It's like a scene out of Dumb and Dumber. I'm like, pick him up, sweet. I mean, I got no one else in the car, and so I've been known to pick up a hitchhiker or two before. And so I pick him up. Why? Because now I can be fiercely present to this guy for the next 50 minutes. I start asking him questions. I start hearing his story. Find out that he went to church camp as a young kid and got burned by the church and is de-churched now and angry at God because of what happened. And I have an opportunity to apologize on behalf of the church. As he gets out of the car, I drop him off and I said, hey man, I just want you to know I'm going to be praying for you. He's like, yeah, yeah, you do whatever you got to do. I don't know if I'll see him again. Just back before Christmas, another situation like this, another hitchhiker. I pick him up. Different guy this time. I meet him. Well, I don't believe in coincidences, but the Lord would have it that I picked this guy up five times now. Four times in a span of two weeks. I get to know his name. I know his entire story. I got his cell phone in my cell phone, his number. I know his address. Like, we know each other. I hear his story. His name's Riley, and my heart just breaks for Riley. He's had a tough, tough life, addicted to drugs. He's been on everything. He's got an 11-year-old son. And he just wants to make a good life for his son. That's it. The mother of his son died just last year of cancer. Riley's just, he's been through it. And I said to Riley, one of our drives, uh, praying for him, I've shared the gospel with him, and he's not quite ready yet, but I believe he's on his way. And I said to Riley, I said, Riley, what are you looking forward to? This was just before Christmas. What are you looking forward to at Christmas? Like, what are you... What's Christmas look like for you? He's like, well, I really want to buy my son. My son's artistic, and I know he's got a gift with music and that, and I'd really love to buy him a keyboard, and I just don't have the money. I went home that night, said to our family around supper, I said, this Christmas, we're buying Riley's son a keyboard. And so Christmas Eve, we went over, wrapped this big, huge box up, and for the first time, we knock on the door, and Riley comes out, and I can see the first time he's not had sunglasses on. Usually, we're sitting, looking straight ahead, I looked at Riley eyeball to eyeball, and I saw a tear stream down his face, this rough, tough guy. He said, thank you so much. You've, you've touched our lives and this Christmas. This is what Christmas is all about. Are you able to be fiercely present to those around you? And then finally, we're out of time this morning, but are you fiercely present to the moment? You see, Jesus, this was a moment for Jesus and this woman. It wasn't just... Here's what happens in this moment. He turns, he faces her, and he says, daughter. Why is that so significant? Because up to this point, we don't even know this woman's name. She's not named in Scripture. Up to this point, you know what her identity's been? It's been the woman with the issue of blood. How would you like that for an identity? Some of you here this morning, you might identify with that because you feel like that's you today. Maybe you've been stricken with an issue, maybe sickness, maybe something you've went through. Maybe you were hurt, maybe you've been wounded. And up to this point in time, that's all you can relate and associate your life to. Well, I'm here to tell you this morning, this is a moment right here, right now, today. That 
Jesus wants to look you in the eye, and you're no longer the woman, the man with the issue of this, fill in the blank. You're now daughter. You're now son. He looks at her and changes her identity in this moment. This is bigger than just healing her suffering. He looks at her and he says, daughter, be freed from your suffering. Go and be freed from your suffering. Worship team, would you come? This is a moment. I want to be present to moments. I want to be fiercely present to the moments that God has lined up for me every single day. In church, I could tell you I've been in grocery stores. I've been on planes. I've been in all sorts of home people. I've been in different spaces where there have been moments. And i got to tell you, I miss a lot of them. I'm human, like you. I miss a lot of them. But when I get it right, when I'm able to be fiercely present to the moment, it's always when I'm going at the pace that's been purposed over my life. It's the pace of grace. That's why this is so important this morning. And I got to tell you, because some of you might be wrestling, going, yeah, well, that sounds a lot like, you know, I need to slow down and rest. And I'm just, you know, I'm a, I'm a driven person. I'm a go-getter. Well, that's me, too. And here's what I want to remind you of. You don't have to sacrifice one or the other. There is a pace of grace aligned to your purpose that allows for great rest, peace, love, joy, Sabbath. Which also allows for great results. Faithfulness, fruitfulness, obedience. You don't have to sacrifice one for the other. It's the pace of grace. Close with this. I was on a plane uh, out to B.C., just last year, speaking at a youth conference out there, and I'm, I'm going through my notes, speaking that night. It was a Friday. I'm on this plane. I'm se- seated beside this young couple next to me. I could tell they were newlyweds. You could just tell. <laughs> They're just in love. And, uh, and I'm, I'm going over my notes, and I'm praying through a list of names of these students, and God's just giving me words of knowledge over various students. I'm writing it down because I'll get a chance to share with them, hopefully at some point during the conference. And so... As I'm closing up my notes, I'm going to take a little rest. I'm prepared. I've prayed over students' names. i got some things ready to go. Some moments are lined up for this conference. And Holy Spirit whispers on that plane and says, what about the people next to you? Right. Got to be fiercely present in this moment. This could be a moment. And so I start praying over them. And Holy Spirit downloads something into my spirit for this couple. And so I start writing it down because they're sound asleep. I don't know if I'll get a chance to share it. We're midway through our flight. I have not introduced myself yet. So I write it down. As I'm finishing up, he wakes up. And so I introduce myself. I said, I'm so-and-so. I'm a pastor, and I believe in God. I'm not sure if you do, but hey, man, I just got to tell you, this is what I believe God would say to you if he could say anything right now. I begin to share it. I pass a piece of paper to his wife, who's now awake. She leans forward, grabs it. She's on the window seat. I'm in the aisle. He's in the middle. I share it with him, and he just kind of sits there just like staring straight ahead. She gets finished reading and she looks ahead and she's got a tear streaming down her face. She says, this is for us? I said, yeah. Thank you so much. I turned to him. I said, does this resonate? Does this make sense? He says, oh yeah. (laughs) He says, it sure does. He says, you don't know this, but we're believers as well. And we've been contemplating this major decision in our lives. We've got two roads to go, and we're not sure which one to take. And we were leaning towards this. It's kind of safe and comfortable. But now that you've given us this word, we know, and we knew all along, we just needed confirmation. 
we got it here today on this plane ride. This was a moment. And when you're fiercely present, church, to the moments that God, Holy Spirit, has set up for you in your life, this is why these three days coming up this week are so important. You get to know the Holy Spirit. He's a person. And when you're fiercely present to moments like that, it can change the trajectory of somebody's life. That's why I came here to share this with you today. It's for you, but it's also for somebody else. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes. I just want to pray over you. I know I apologize. Our time is up. If you're here this morning and you'd say, you know what, I've been going at a a, a pace that's not aligned to my purpose. I've been caught going at maybe somebody else's pace. Maybe you've been comparing to somebody else's life, thinking you have to live at this pace to get what they have. But you know it's not your pace because it's not your purpose. That's you, and you just slip up a hand this morning and say, yeah, I want to acknowledge that's me. Would you pray for me, Pastor? Yep, thank you. Hands going up. Anyone else? Say, yeah. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for your honesty. Father, you see these hands. God, there's moments where my hand's up, where I get caught up in going at a pace that's not my, my own. It's not aligned to my purpose. And so, God, for these people, your people this morning, Would you touch them? Would you show them what needs to be done? Maybe it's one of these practical tools we talked about this morning. Would you touch their lives in such a way? Holy Spirit, speak even now. Just whisper to them. Maybe it's a change. Maybe it's dropping something. Maybe it's stopping something. Would you whisper what they need to hear today, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to our Sunday podcast. To hear more messages like these, be sure to share and subscribe. We're thankful for all that God is doing in our church right now. We would love to have you be a part of what is going on. You can connect with us by filling out a connect card online at slatechurch.com. And hey, stay tuned for more content coming soon.